0: Today on the Brunswick Buzz, I'm visiting with Jess Anderson, who's the executive director from Count Me In, which is a Maine organization based in Portland. Is that true, Jess?
1: Yeah. So our mailing address uh, is in Portland. We started in Southern Maine, um, but we're working statewide to support student attendance.
0: So it is a statewide organization that, as you just said, works with student attendance. So Jess, it would be great Give an overview of your experience to our Brunswick Buzz, you know, who you are, how you got to Count Me In, why you're passionate about this work, and then dive into about Count Me In.
1: So I came to Count Me In after two years of pandemic teaching in a local public school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm a K-12 certified special educator, but I have a master's in experiential ed in human development. So I am really passionate about every student being able to access their education and find success. So that was what led me to apply to work for Count Me In or to lead Count Me In. And, you know, recognizing that it's a huge problem, right? We know students are struggling to get to school and schools are struggling to support students. So I think it's going to require a lot of -of out-of-the-box thinking, but a lot of it starts with connection. And I see my expertise as helping build community and helping communities recognize the resources and assets that they have, and to build more connections and build more partnerships to support our students and our youth and our staff. I think it's really important to think about the whole system. How long has Count Me In been around? So Count Me In was founded in Southern Maine around 2013. So there were a group of folks in York County who recognized the reduction in the graduation rate or the number of students who were dropping out and challenges around that. And so they came together cross-sector from York and looked at what was going on. And that was about the same time that nationally, the idea of chronic absenteeism showed up. So chronic absenteeism is different from truancy. Chronic absenteeism is looking at absences for any reason. And most folks use the definition of 10% of enrolled days. So here in Maine, we're talking about 17 and a half days or 18 days um, would make a student chronically absent over the course of a school year if they were enrolled for the whole school year. So these folks recognized that there was this connection for students who are dropping out in their attendance way earlier in in their careers, in their school careers. And so students who are chronically absent in the early grades are more likely to drop out. And so very quickly, they moved upstream with the work and supported a number of schools, elementary schools, primarily in York County at the beginning, to improve their elementary school attendance and then um, worked with some schools in Cumberland County uh, and built um, over five years, really solidified the model of support for elementary schools and saw significant improvement in rates in those schools and capacity of those schools to continue to support students even when Count Me moved on to support other schools.
0: Just wanted to loop back to your your experience as a special education teacher. And I think I don't want to speak for you, but you know, particularly those individuals with an individual education plan, those students and having those students that are chronically absent. It impacts any student, but it particularly impacts a student that is getting additional IEP individual education plan, special education mm-hmm. services. So I can totally see how the passion there fits in, right? Because I know my experience and, you know, that's that's often the conversation that we have is, you know, how that's impacting that student, particularly, mm-hmm. not just the general ed student. So.
1: Yeah, and it's very chicken and the egg. And I'm sure you've seen that, right? Yeah. So a student who doesn't attend experiences gaps in learning or doesn't attend regularly, experiences gaps in learning. Are those gaps in learning because they're not attending or are they not attending because there's a need that the school hasn't identified and can't fill. You know, thinking about child find and thinking about the ways in which we recognize and intervene early for students who are struggling, Across the board and b- with multi-tiered systems, it, that's kind of the lens that I brought to it from special education. Sure. A lot of students came through the pandemic not being referred because there was a discontinuation in education during the pandemic, and now we've, we're kind of seeing this bubble of schools right. really needing additional resources. So it's another piece well, of this puzzle.
0: Thank you, so Kim, and I, even though you you touched on it rather. We touched on it quickly. I think I, I just want to also go back to your parsing out or separating truancy and chronic uh, absenteeism. I Definitely. think our listeners will be helpful if you can just talk about that again. So
1: truancy is very punitive in nature. So truancy defined by statute has to do with unexcused absences from school. And depending on the grade level of the student, the age of the student, it's a different criteria. So we're talking about five consecutive absences for elementary students, unexcused consecutive absences, and seven for middle high school students, students seventh and up. And that is defined by statute, what a school needs to do. Mean state law, right? Mean state law, exactly. So truancy is tied to law and and punitive consequences um, around truancy. So there is a process that schools should be following for students who are truant, who have unexcused absences. In practice, unexcused absences, what I see is that unexcused absences are often because there isn't a communication system, a reliable communication system between the family, the caregiver, and the school. And so ah, chronic absenteeism is focused on all absences, even those students whose parents call and say, my child isn't going to be at school today, they're not feeling well, are on the radar if you're using chronic absenteeism as your metric for support for students. And that's what I really encourage is that absenteeism or lack of attending school is just an indicator that a student and their family need more support. There's something with. going on.
0: Thank you for setting us up on those two separate, because I think that's important for folks to hear and understand. But I also wanted to know, how, how many districts do you work with? Or does that on a general, you know, time yeah. So look like?
1: Yeah, so right now, um, I'm coaching around 40 schools across the state of Maine. Okay. As we record this, I'm in Oxford County. Tomorrow, I'll be in Knox County. Wow. So all over the state, some of the work is virtual, some of the work is in person. So there's a good balance there using technology. Over the ten years that Count Me In has been in existence as an organization, we've supported over 140 schools in mm-hmm. the state with coaching around attendance. So that's a really cool number to think about. And, okay. and I'd have to double check the number of schools in Maine, but it's over a fifth of the schools in yeah, the state. Sounds like it would be have, right, right. Have been touched right by Count Me In and, and and the work, and some of them are maintaining that improvement even through the pandemic, not all the way down at the kind of really low numbers, but they're continuing to be able to act upon student absences in a timely manner and really help their students get to school and be successful.
0: I think I often, um, when I'm talking to some nonprofits, I've spoken to some others, Where's your funding sources from?
1: Yeah, so originally, Count Me In was primarily funded through the United Ways in those counties. So a lot of the work was through the United Ways. And then there actually was a federal rural schools grant that supported some of the pilot work of the model. In the last three years, we've become our own individual nonprofit, independent nonprofit without a fiscal agent. And so we balance our income streams from fee for service. So when there's continued coaching with a school, the school kind of subscribes for the year to have that coaching support and hold space. It's a reasonable amount based upon the market value. To expand our programming, so to work with community partnership, right now I'm applying for some grants around early learning, how we help our, our youngest students transition into school to help build healthy routines and support families and caregivers in that process. So there is grant funding that we're also soliciting, and we do have some, some individual donors that give Uh, So we can, you know, do cool things like a multimedia contest. Students make posters showing why attendance matters. It's the name of the name of the contest. So we offset to do some exciting, fun things by connecting with funders or both individual and um, organizations.
0: Do you have districts that have stayed with coming in for periods of time or does it a capacity like you help build capacity and then they... You know, maybe connect with you on a not as often. How how does that work?
1: That's a that's a great question. So we have a rubric that has 15 different strategies in it that all support positive attendance. And they're strategies that not only support attendance, but support multi-tiered structures in schools, support collaboration in schools. And so as we're coaching schools, we're guiding them along those 15 strategies. And so when they reach kind of an in-place, thinking about proficiency-based, they reach in place with all of those strategies. They're ready to fly. They're ready to be on their own. Yeah, so about three years of coaching, that first year is building culture and building routine. And the second year is kind of tweaking their systems. And then the third year... They're kind of fine-tuning, and if there's administrator turnover or, you know, they lose their champions of attendance because, you know, they're always leaders in communities for causes, right. they may need a little bit of a, of a checkup or more support. Generally speaking, schools are in that process for around three years, building some other things now for schools to work more collaboratively around communities of practice of attendance. So for schools that have been doing it for a while but feel like they need a little bit of a refresher, there are some opportunities there.
0: Can you also just talk to me, like, this has been a topic of 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 interest of me as a district leadership and as a special education director and assistant superintendent for years. And I, just for, you know, uh, transparency sake, worked with Count Me In back in RSU 14 and worked with them back in RSU 21, which is Kenny Bunk and others. Mm -hmm. So I've been passionate about this because I think we all, or I personally believe of, you know, we need to have our students in school. And that's where the magic happens. And the better we can communicate with our families about the you know, why it's important and why we want them here, the better off we'll be, you know, raising attainment and opportunities, et cetera. So with that said, transparency all there, how does a district, like, how does it, how is it, your experience, how has a district said, all right, this is a priority now as a follow-up, then I'm going to want to get into like some of those, those 15 uh, targeted strategies.
1: Yeah. So I think there are a couple of pathways into reaching out for support sometimes, a school gets flagged as needing help with attendance. And they I think they Google it and they find Count Me In and then they call me and they say, uh, we okay. don't know what to do, what do we do? There's a really basic self-assessment that Attendance Works provides. And that's where we start. Um, it has 10 components to it. So it's a little lighter than our model, but it's a great place for a school to start who doesn't necessarily have the resources to dive into Count Me In services right away. So I will go over, do a free consultation with that school. We'll look at the self-assessment And we'll talk about where their strengths are and then one or two areas that they want to grow in. And I'll provide some resources or suggestions around those growth areas. Um, I'm tapped in. I'm doing this all the time. So my finger at my fingertips, I have those resources. So that's the first thing. Someone will call me and say, we don't know what to do. Our rates are really high. Um, Sometimes they'll say, we have data, but we're not using it well. Can you help? So there are some strategies and tools that I've developed. We've developed as an organization around data collection and tracking of intervention. So if a school doesn't know how to pull it out of Infinite Campus or PowerSchool or look at it, we'll Mm -hmm. do some coaching specific to that. So our model is really data-driven. So when we get to the strategies, those 15 strategies, folks who are familiar with a a multi-tiered system of support or a response to intervention, kind of triangle pyramid tier, our, our strategies are tiered. So our universal foundational practice is all around connection. It's positive connections with students and positive connections with their families, with their caregivers, the adults in their life, and with community partners who can support students. So every community has community agencies within their region that they can tap, but every community has different needs. Sometimes sometimes you have to even develop those relationships and those partnerships and those coalitions to support students. So the first step, the base the baseline we're all looking at is connection. Do students have a voice at school? Is that voice heard? Do families have a way to provide feedback to school, both individual and collectively? And When you meet with families or a student has a challenge, and it doesn't necessarily mean to be an attendance challenge, and you have a meeting with a family, you assume the response that you need to take. The best example of that is a student who shows up tardy and the school says, here, let me give you an alarm clock, right? We're making that assumption about why the student is absent or why the student is late. And so we're coaching schools to have a partnership conversation with the family to ask about what is success for your child? What does that look like? Right. For my own child, success is getting out of bed, getting dressed for school, getting out the door, and being kind to his peers. That's what success for me. I think we can take baby steps to that success once we have a shared, a shared understanding of what success yeah. means as a teacher. You know, I don't I want my students to be safe in the classroom. That's success in my classroom as a teacher, probably success for a parent, too. So maybe we start there. Maybe we start with the school's core values. You know, there are ways in which but to come to a common agreement around what are you hoping this kiddo is going to do? You have a high school student who's not engaging in school. Chances are they don't see what the future means. They Mm -hmm. don't know why? What's what's the purpose of me being here in this class? How does that apply to where I see myself in five years?
0: You know, in Brunswick, we're uh, experiencing a increase in of uh, asylum seeking families, mm-hmm. or uh, in addition to homeless students, or um, those students that are McKinney Vento eligible. Mm-hmm. Do you? You know, different strategies for different students. I'm sure, mm-hmm. but can you just talk a little bit about those populations? So,
1: I think one really simple strategy is making sure that you have the McKinney-Vento screener form as part of your paperwork for all new students. If it's not there, I would say do that. Um, I think that it's a universal strategy. It should not be an assumption. Oh, they're coming in late. Oh, they're, they're coming in without the necessary paperwork. Let's make sure I throw that form in there. So that's the first one. The second one is when you have students who are new to your school, just like when you have staff who are new to your school. You need to have a process. You need to have a system for those students to become part of your community that's explicit. So everyone knows that when there's a new student, they get a point adult, they get a peer buddy, they get shown the locker, the washing machine, and told who they talk to when X, Y, and Z happens, having that system in place. So we have a lot of students in transition. Having a plan for highly mobile students is really important. And that's where I see the overlap also having that for their, for their caregivers, for their circles of support, you know, what is, what are the expectations that we have for your child? What are the expectations we have for you? And having a way to communicate that kind of in a one page document so that everyone understands in your community and can help support that movement. Um, Because I think it's really hard for folks who are highly mobile, moving from community to community, learning the specificities of that community. Oh, we do a robocall for absences. Oh, you need to call Nancy, right? So it can be very different.
0: I, that's that's we've been talking a lot about a more centralized approach to our just registration in general. We um, have been working hard at that, you know, particularly around some of our. And then, in addition to when you have a language barrier, we've been working very hard on translation and, mm-hmm. and making sure that it's in the individual's primary language and whatnot.
1: The other piece to think about not only their primary language but how. Should they be receiving that communication, right? What is the means at which they can access the communication? You know, thinking about schools who are using Reach My Teach as a service, right? Which auto-translates for you using WhatsApp. It's beautiful, it's accessible. Um, so thinking about that the system you're using to, to communicate is actually two-way. It is effective. You're
0: interesting, you know, you brought up Reach My Teach. We implemented that this year, and it really has been a game changer. I think it would be really helpful to spend some time on those strategies and and maybe as i think about this you know what strategies from a leadership perspective versus a classroom teacher perspective mm-hmm.
1: so i talked about connection that's the big, the first chunk of our work right so positive connections building connections how do you connect how do you communicate the second one is around monitoring attendance and building a culture of attendance so, to build a culture of attendance, you need everybody on your team at a school to build a culture of attendance. The leader needs to exemplify what those expectations are, mm-hmm. needs to provide training, needs to provide resources. If you're a school who's using, um, who's implementing PBIS or other positive behavior supports, mm-hmm. including attendance as something you're recognizing proactively, you don't want to flag for perfect attendance, right? But recognizing improvement, recognizing good attendance coming up with a shared understanding of what it means to, to be attending in a good way, in a regular way. So that monitoring piece, building attendance into whatever tiered response data you're collecting. So don't just look Great. at academics. Yeah. Um, so as a leader, making sure that attendance is part of the conversation when students are being recommended to an intervention team, We're including that data in your overview. Sometimes we forget it. We just look at the academic pieces and they're, they're connected. So that's, that's the monitor step and reviewing your data with regularity. So providing space for that data to be reviewed as a leader, developing a system and either delegating that to, to a small group of people, but making sure that that's on your to-do list as the leader, you got to know what your rate is at, you yeah. know, approximately, and we can build some tools around that.
0: I want to just let our listeners know that's been one of the things that we've been working on all year. And I, you know, for lack of a better phrase, we've been make, trying to make sure that our data is accurate. We've had, you know, some transitions and mm-hmm. technology and program, blah, blah, blah. But really, we, we've recently had a meeting where we're like, we finally, uh, not <laughs> finally, we decided and said, our data is rich. It's, it's right. It's correct. It's rich. How about from a classroom teacher perspective?
1: So the first thing for a classroom teacher perspective is that as a teacher, make sure you take accurate attendance. Gotcha. And it can be really hard. I had to set an alarm on my phone to make sure I actually took attendance. So make sure you're taking accurate attendance, coming up with an error system, error check system for yourself if you're not, or as a school leader, coming up with an error check system, um, or using a tool like an electronic pass system to help simplify that at a a a, um, school that has multiple blocks. Um, Mm -hmm. So there are ways you can simplify that task. So that's one. Two, when a student's absent, acknowledge that they were missed. When they return, acknowledge that they were missed. If it's an extended absence plan for their absence, maybe connect with them, and each school should develop a threshold um, and expectation. My recommendation is the person who is the closest and most connected with the student, so their classroom teacher, their advisor, should be the first person who's reaching out to a student connected. through a reliable means to communicate that. Okay. Even, if, even if they're out for something you know about, if they're out for three days because they broke their arm and they needed surgery, sending a quick email that says, I'm thinking of you, just like you would to your, you know, your aunt who broke her arm is mm-hmm. really powerful for kids. That's us them know they're
0: That's great. That's, that's great. So making sure closest to that student is the, 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 the key. I just like to also just talk about the taking accurate attendance. That's again, you know, you use the high school example with multiple blocks and whatnot. That's, it's hard, but it is so vital because when you look at those, 700, 800 students, you got to make sure your data is accurate and correct. So,
1: And and you might make mistakes. Um, So having having a system that has some checks and balances in it, whoever's resolving that has the ability to kind of ask and acknowledge, sometimes you might make a mistake. You might forget to take your attendance for a full day and need to reconstruct it the next day. It might happen. And just having a growth mindset. The third part of our work is all around intervention. And so developing interventions that work for your community. So for example, if you look at your aggregate data and you say, oh my goodness, look how awesome our third grade attendance is. And they're like, whoa, what's going on with the fourth graders? What's going on with, with Ms. Brown's classroom or Mrs. Anderson's room? There's something there. Digging into that and thinking about tier two interventions or group level supports for buckets that need more work and allocating resources appropriately And then for individual kids, really working collaboratively to address what's going on and picking a threshold that makes sense for your community, volume-wise, but saying, you know, if a student misses four days, we're going to sit down and have a staffing. We're going to meet as a team of folks that connect with that student and start to brainstorm what might be going on. And if it's excused, it's a chronic health condition, making sure that student has a 504 and IEP. If it's excused, you know, it's this weird, acute, weird stomach bug that's going around the kid's out for seven days. Having a plan when that student comes back so they're not overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by all the stuff they missed. Every day is important. Being at schools every day is important. We need to take care of ourselves. If we're actively sick, we shouldn't be there. But that's a balancing act for a lot of folks. And so recognizing that.
0: The more you talk about this in the way that I know our educators listening to this will think about, but that that pyramid, that tiered approach, the, the more you talk about this, you know, this is what we do for everybody, tier one. This is what we do for, this is more a higher intervention and so on and so forth, up the pyramid, if you will. It really does lend itself to that multi-tiered system of support, doesn't it? It really, I haven't thought about it that way previously. Uh, And I'm not sure if it's, you know, your experience, because I've talked to other people about this from Count Me In, but that, to me, is really relevant. And that's where I think our bang for our buck is for Brunswick, which is looking at what we do for all students and then moving, you know, again, whether it's connection, right? What's our initial connection? This Mm -hmm. is what we expect to do with all of our students, right? This baseline. Mm -hmm. And and so on and so forth. I don't know if that's making sense to you, but
1: it does. It does. It makes I, actually, a lot of sense I to me. I just led a workshop at the Delms Conference all about how how MTSS and attendance are connected. It really and sounds and like it, that. it's part. It should be part of that system, and and you're right. It's more bang for your buck. It's it's allocating your resources appropriately because exactly. if we treat every case, every single kid who's struggling with attendance as an individual and never look at our patterns, we never look at kind of tier two support work, group level work, small group work that we can put in place, we're going to, it's going to feel like whack-a-mole.
0: And it's not And the other, you just said this, but it's using your you know, resources effectively. And that's one thing that we've talked a lot about throughout our budget process, which is how do we, you know, look at efficiencies where needed, but also look at our, you know, how do we u- allocate resources where there's most needed, if you will.
1: And if you're looking at your data, if you're data driven and you're able to make some aggregate groupings around the things that you think are going on in your community, you can look for the bright spots and you can pull those people in and say, wait a second, something different's happening in seventh grade. Something different's happening over here. You know, This elementary school is doing way better. What's going on? What's the secret sauce? How can we bring that into our, so working as a district
0: as opposed to individual
1: classrooms or schools can also help.
0: That's when we just had our meeting, we're looking at our data. And that's the conversation that I I heard. I was told I wasn't at that meeting, but they were talking about that's what happened. They started to to go like, wait, why is this looking good over here? And it's not looking good over there. And those are the conversations you want to have and and build up. Just um, before I let you go, um, one is just anything else you want to add that I haven't asked. And then two... I always like to let people know, you know, how to get in touch with my my um, you know folks that I speak to. So, how do they get in touch with you? But but first, anything that you want to make sure you address that we haven't spoken about.
1: I think just remembering that it starts with the connection. It starts with the relationships. And if you're really figuring, you know, really stuck or trying to figure it out, get a group of people together, grab the data you have, the best that you have. And brainstorm and think about what's going on. And when you're thinking about a particular student and a challenge that they're experiencing or family's experiencing, try to get that student and that family into the conversation. It will help you brainstorm and think outside the box. And for a lot of our cases, it's because we haven't thought in that box. So we have to really kind of brainstorm that. So that's my, my key is it all goes back to connection who is connected or who could be connected with that with that student around contacting me count me in has an amazing website we are countmeinmain.org okay. uh, that is the best way to contact us you can find lots of free resources there there are resources for parents as well as resources for schools. The school resources are a little bit deeper, but you can always reach out to me and ask questions. I know I said we're fee-for-service, but I do a lot of free consulting. So feel Mm -hmm. free to reach out and connect. Once a month, we, we host a think tank where schools can bring a really challenging case and share that. Um, and as a group, we will brainstorm and offer suggestions and resources and ideas. Wow. So, for feeling That's really stuck, really reach out as the school as a school contact and say, "Hey." Trying to figure this one out. Is this a good one for? Is this a good one for a collective, collaborative conversation? Wow! So that's another option. It's not. It, it's it's top secret right now, but now everyone's going to know about it who listens yeah, to the podcast. So there's really, a bonus that's for really, you.
0: That's really incredible. Well, Jess, this has been so um, informative. I really appreciate this, and you know, I've been a fan of Count Me In for years. I think it's a, a great organization, and and you sound like you are really uh, leading them into the next phase of this because after the pandemic. It's clear we've, you know, that impacted all of us, but it has certainly impacted our chronic absenteeism in students. And, you know, frankly, we have students that have just, you know, fallen off, if you will. And we're working hard to remedy that in Brunswick. And I'm probably be back in touch uh, off the Zoom. So that sounds sounds great. Nice talking to you, folks. Have a
1: great day. Thank you.
0: Bye. Hey, thank you for listening to the Brunswick Buzz. The Brunswick Buzz is available wherever you find your podcasts.